Before we start, we'd like to thank Teen Kwanda and Guap Studios for sponsoring this podcast. If you find any of these topic areas distressing, please do feel free to contact the numbers listed in the description below. Anyways, um, my name is Ruben and this is It's Not A Book Club Podcast. I'm with the usual lot, Kende, Zach, and we've got a special guest today, um, Derek Awosu. He's a Desmond Elliott Prize winning award, award winning um, author, writer, poet, and also fellow podcaster, but um, for mostly podcast. He's from North London, so he's from ENDS like us. And yeah, I think you started writing about kind of our age, you know, when we were 25 and 26, 23, yeah. 23. Yeah, I started, yeah, I started writing. Yeah, I started writing um, poetry very early, like just kind of, you know, you just write mm. things for yourself and you just hide it away in a laptop or something. You never show with your body. So I was always, I was always writing when I was about 16, you know, I was trying to be a rapper as well. Okay. Just writing <laughs> lyrics and lyrics. Um, but obviously that didn't work out for me because I used to just write. Um, I think this is probably a sign that I was supposed to write long form is that mm. I would write long, long lines that wouldn't fit into the bar. Come. This would always go over. So when I'm, rec- when I was recording, my boy who couldn't be, he's like, Derek, you can't squeeze all of that into one bar. <laughs> <laughs> to condense it somehow. And I'm just like, but this is what I want to say. Like, uh, do you know what I mean? Um, so I just used to have pages and pages of lyrics. Um, I think I've still got them somewhere in my house. Um, but I only started writing seriously when I was, yeah, when I was about, yeah, about 25. Okay, cool. Um, and that was just because I was reading a lot and I just thought, you know what, let me try mm. and write something. So my friend had an online publication and I just asked her, like, can I just write some book reviews or just whatever okay. on there? And she was just like, yeah, that's how I started. And just out of interest as well, like, was it something that, in terms of writing long form and writing books and stuff, was that something that you always thought that you would be getting into as a like young person or was it just mm. something that appeared as you got older as a viable um, option in terms of um, career-wise? Yeah, and no, I, I never thought I was going to be a writer. I never thought I was going to write a book or anything like that because I, I, I wasn't even a reader when I was young at mm. all. Mm. Um, so yes, only when I so when I was writing for this online publication, I wasn't really taking it seriously. Mm. I just liked words and thing. I like to experiment with words. I used to have like a massive book that would just any word that I came across that I didn't know, I'd just write in there, write the definition. Yeah. And think, okay, this is now mine. I'm gonna use this one day. Yeah. Um But I really so I was kind of I guess I was kind of coerced into being a professional writer by um a fellow writer, um, an author called Yomi Adegoke. And um, she had recently just co-authored a book called Slay in Your Lane. And we was out and she was just said to me, you know, you should do something like this mm. for black men. Mm. Because when it comes to black British male authors in the UK, there's not many of that, n- not many of us. Um, so she was like, you should do this. So she gave me the idea. She helped me get an agent. Yeah. She helped me find a lot of the authors as well. Like she really, really uh, helped with the book. That's um, cool. And that, that's how, that's how it all started. Um, 
and even with even with that reminds me again, I wasn't mm. writing that to get published. I was yeah. just I was writing it for myself really, yeah. just to entertain myself at the time. But yeah, so that kind of that's a nice little segue into that. That reminds me, you know, we've just read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, very very good book. Thank you. I would like to say um, it was for me. It was beautifully written. I think um, I'm not that big of a reader, just na- naturally. That's okay. That was one of the main reasons um, for me to you know to start in this podcast. Yeah. Um, so I'm not as ex as well versed as you in terms of literature, but from the recent books I've read, um, in terms of its literary style, I saw mm. it being very uh, similar to like Toni Morrison in some ways. Also, in, um, in a sense of like how it's like it's almost like it flows when you read it. It's got a rhythm to it. It's got a rhythm poetic, to it. Like you say, very, very, very poetic, poetic isn't it? Mm. Um, so it was. It was. It was an interesting. It was an interesting book. I'm, I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I've never read a book like this. It's almost like an anthology, right? Okay, kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, I, what, what would you say now? I liked how it was like chronologically in order. Like every mm. page was kind of like whether it would be a five minute or five year step forward. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and it's like sometimes you're you're obviously for me personally. Anyway, at first I'm in the same room where we started this podcast from they say a year ago now. Yeah, yeah. And we read, we read about ten books now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this being the tenth, oh yeah. <laughs> and um, how do I explain? Like, um, my interest in reading has kind of grown from this. But in the sense of this book, I feel like um, the beginning pages. I felt I struggled a little bit to get into the rhythm, only because, okay. only because I I wasn't I didn't know what I was getting myself into. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, cool. Yeah, so yeah. when I opened up, because I I heard about Kay and I heard about the story possibly from when we went to Waterstones and from other things and like YouTube or whatever. Mm. But I just thought it would be a story. Mm-hmm. But when I jumped into it, it was kind of like poetically written. It had like really cool verses, almost similar to Hitchhikers, mm. when we had um, um really interesting wordplay. Mm. Um, but it took me a while to get into it. But when I got into the rhythm of it, I was like, okay, read at this pace, like mm. use, use the commas. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of go with it. And then for me, I said, oh, this is actually well written. Like it's, mm. it, it feels very mature, if that makes sense. And also mm. like what I would say in terms of like readability, because that's one thing that I think with a lot of the books we've read have been different degrees of that. So like we've read comedy books, like we read um, Tina Fey and um, Tina Fey. And then we've read more like uh, cerebral kind of trippy books like Hitchhikers or mm. um, do Android's Dream of Android's Sheet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like with this one, I just felt like a big part of it for me that was very attractive was the fact that there was so many things in it that I could literally just relate to, like as in like, when I was reading it the um, second time, I said to myself, like, it, it's got a smell to it, like, in a sense of, like, you mentioned things like Dax and things like, mm. just things that are just relatable in a mm. sense of. And I mean, uncles and aunties that you don't as know. Black yeah, boys yeah, yeah. That are just <laughs> that like, is, oh, like, that's that shit like, that I remember. Or like, being in the playground or certain experiences as like a teenager or this mm. kind of thing. Then it's like, that's personally what I really appreciated about it. And it's kind of leads me to the question that, I was going to ask about the um, structure because you've kind of uh, split into like um, five sections, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of interwoven into that is these like Anansi type um, stories. And I didn't know what was the thinking behind that way of structuring the book and what that kind of meant to the uh, narrative and and whatnot. Yeah, so so the way I really wanted to structure it like when I was writing it was that these were supposed to be like fragments of memories cool and I've read books where they they include memories as well and it's always like 
a straight route leading onto something else. Whereas the way I think about memories is that they are, they're like snapshots. They're like Polaroid cameras. Like mm -hmm. you remember one thing, that moment, and then you don't remember what happened after it or before it. It's mm. just that thing that mm. you remember. And that's why, that's why I, I wrote it like that and really just trying to capture the, the imagery and the way we, the way we remember things. Um, and also just in a way that by the time you get to the end of the book, um, you have a full picture of who K is. Because mm. as well, I would like I always say, when you're getting to know somebody or something like that, you're always recalling things from memory to explain to them. You're mm. telling them about your life in memories. Mm. It's always in memories. Because if you lost all your, your memories, who, who, who are you then? Mm. It's almost like you become no one. Um, so that was why it was, it was structured like that. But then also with, with Anansi, it was kind of like, I guess like a challenge. Because obviously Anansi, known as the tricks, the trickster mm. god um, in a can culture, but also the god of stories. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, so it was kind of like a challenge that, oh, I, you know, Kay can tell a better story than you can. And, and that's, you don't own my story. But it was also, in a, in a, in a religious sense, was Kay's obviously trying to connect with his Ghanaian culture. Mm. And halfway through the book, it becomes clear that he kind of dismisses Christianity. And obviously in Christianity, they say, explain it makes it sound so complicated, but it's not. <laughs> um, the way in Christianity is obviously the way to God is through Christ. So the way I use the Nancy is that the way to Nyame, who is the sky god in a um, can culture, is through a Nancy. Mm. So that's why he's always kind of like, are you telling my story to Nyame? Are you delivering mm. the tales that I'm telling? Because this is Kay trying to connect with his Ghanaian culture. Yeah. And this is the way he, he knows how to do it. Well, he thinks that he can do it. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's, yes, yeah, that's, that's um, really useful, I think, in terms of my reading of it. Because I, I just took the kind of line of, um, just the kind of idea of weaving the story and like weaving things together, but that as well. That's um, that's as well. That's why we had the spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna oh, ask okay, so, yeah. Oh, so that's what the uh, that's um, yeah. The, so the spider is a Nancy, but obviously okay. the, as as the story progresses, mm. the web yeah, becomes yeah, yeah, more yeah, more fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it was split into five chapters: awareness, reflection, change, construction, and acceptance. Mm. And again, it kind of felt like a, a journey, and I, I guess that kind of makes more sense in that kind of aspect. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to ask, for you personally, like when, because when I read the book, it felt like, when I was reading, I was thinking, this guy remembers a lot. Like, <laughs> like, cause I mean, maybe, cause um, maybe it's just me, but um, I've spoken to people before and I'm like, you, you remember like memories when you're three years old yeah, or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. but I'm not like, I'm not an elephant. I don't remember stuff like that. So mm, yeah. for you, like personally, when was like your earliest memory? Do you, do you remember any or? Yeah. My earliest memory, I think was when. Maybe I was about five or something like five? that. Five? That's quite late. I think so. Yeah, I think it's... Reckon, I um, mean, the thing I'm I say, so I say five. five, but I might have been younger than that. Mm. But um, my, my earliest memory was like two. Really? Yeah. Yes. I can't, literally... Oh, no, you're right. Actually, yeah. no, my earliest memory is probably uh, one years old, actually. Okay. Oh, my yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, serious. I remember the moment that my dad walked out on my mum. Oh, actually. wow. Yeah. Jeez. And I must have been... Yeah, I must have been about mm. one or something like that. Because I think he was holding me or something. Mm. They had an argument and she stormed out. That was, yeah, that was, that's my earliest memory. It's, yeah. it's, but then it's one of those things where, is it a memory that someone's told you mm -hmm. or is it really a memory that you can actually recall? That's it's one of those like, that's another thing. And that's, that's, cool kind of. that's, that's one of the things that mm. I try to convey in the book as well. Mm. So for example, the first verse is Kay remembering his mom mm. meeting his dad, but he couldn't remember that. Somebody's told him that story. Mm. And then guess, it becomes yeah. a memory that of your, yeah. you know, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm. That belongs to him. Um, 
And yeah, that's 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 very interesting. And the idea of like false memories and yeah. things like that. Things that did that really happen? Did I dream that? You know, every time you remember something, it changes. I mean, I mean this is like literally scientifically proven. Yeah, every yeah. time you recall yeah. something, a bit of it changes. Um, and all of those things, I really try to 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 get in the book. Like I've had some people. No, actually, no one's ever asked me. But there is a couple of verses, and that reminds me that. On first reading, they just don't make sense. That's what I was not gonna. I was gonna say that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Some things are just some, a bit, some things a bit are a bit disjointed. In yeah, ways. yeah, exactly. And, and this is because he's remembering them. Okay. In in that, and that's how memory uh, memory works. The first mm. the, the verse that comes to mind is when I'm writing about Kay remembering some this thing that's following him around, mm. and then he wakes up and there's there's a mouse in his room. Mm. Yeah. In 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 the mouse trap, and. Of course, that just sounds nonsensical. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I put that in there. This is going to sound complicated. I put, I put it in there because when I was, I wouldn't say researching for the book, but when I was reading a lot about memories and stuff like that, young children who are prone to mental health issues in adult adulthood often have hallucinations when they're younger. Okay. They hallucinate. They, they think they see things or hear things. Interesting. And, and that's been linked to... Uh, mental health issues in, in 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 adulthood. Um, so that's 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 why that's that's in there as well. That's interesting because for me as well, like I said in the beginning, I kind of struggled to get into it because I didn't know what it was going to be. Mm. But there were certain times the rhythm kind of it kind of got messed up for me, and I was like, okay, I can't remember this again. Do you know what I mean? And then I got it the second time, or right, right. Do, or the second time reading the whole paragraph. I'm like, okay, but I wasn't sure whether it's just my reading skills one. But I was just like, <laughs> I need to. Um, but it, don't exactly like, like you said, it, it kind of. Um, clears a lot of clarity for the character because it's the book is deeper than just reading one line or just one time. Yeah, I think it, when you read it a second time, you kind of get a, a fuller picture of K. And I remember when I read the paragraph about the teacher um, when he went outside in assembly or something. Mm. Yeah. Um, the second time I, I really like felt for him because I think when the teacher said something like, um, sometimes good things do happen, and he got a bit shy, like a bit. Mm. And I feel like K is the type of person where. Um, his life is kind of out of his hands, like all the time. Like he's always getting dragged from one place to the next, especially yeah. when he got caught smoking. Um, his mom's always grabbing him by the arm, the uncles, or someone's always leading him somewhere. And I feel mm. like for him as a person, he didn't really feel like, um, things was in his control. But then you feel like everyone feels like that. And that's, 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 cause I was like, like because, um, Kay is a character in itself, but I can, I could, relate to it in a sense because mm. it, it felt like uh just a narration of someone's life yeah yeah and yeah. i feel like if you viewed my, if i viewed my own life in some respect i could see certain similarities and you know in the sense of you know trying to find your place in the world yeah ab absolutely absolutely and that's why i named him k as well actually. okay a lot of people will think that i named him k because like franz kafka is an author his characters are usually called k jm mm. coetzee is called characters k and these are like massive Authors in the in the literary, well, the Western literary canon, but it's be simply because obviously I'm Ghanaian. Cool. We're obviously named after the days of the week, mm. um, and in in trees, six of the the day names start with K: Kwame, Kwabana, Kwesi, Kweku, mm -hmm. Kofi, um, and Kojo. So I just thought, okay, he's every he's an every man, so I'll just call him K. Mm. Yeah, and that's nice because it kind of roots it in your cultural heritage. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. it kind of like ties the idea together it's interesting that you mentioned the canon as well like the western canon because where do you obviously uh this book is for anyone to read but at the same time in your mind in writing it did you um position it i guess for 
certain people to read in particular. And I guess that in itself kind of does and um, position it in certain places, like in relation to a canon or where do you see it kind of fits within that mm-hmm. um, space? So when I, yeah, when I wrote it, I didn't have any kind of high hopes for it like that or anything like that. I wouldn't, <clears throat> wouldn't, I wouldn't be as arrogant to think that, okay, I'm, I'm penning a classic right now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, um, but one thing, so I, when I was writing, I was thinking, oh, I really want like young black boys to read this. Do you cool. know what I mean? And then um, my, my friend Simeon Brown, he read it and he was like, you know what? This is for like the mandem, the young black mm-hmm. boys, it represents them and all those kind of things. But he's like, I don't think this is going to be accessible for young people unless it's being taught in a school. Mm. So you can actually like break down everything and blah, yes, blah. Yeah, so yeah. that's why I like going to schools and talking about the book and then giving people, obviously not telling people how to read it, but just telling them like, mm. you know, this is why I meant when I wrote that. But if you've interpreted it a different way, that's absolutely fine as well. What would be the procedure in terms of getting a book like this into like a curriculum? A curriculum. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it could be amazing for like a school in like inner city Peckham or wherever where there's a lot of black and African Tottenham. And Caribbean students, yeah, Tottenham. Yeah. To actually get people like rather than reading like Catcher in the Rye, which is a great book, or Of Mice and Men, which is a great book, something that like we were saying at the beginning is actually kind of relatable to our experiences now yeah i i have no idea what the process is i mean mm. there are a lot of people doing work right now to like decolonize the curriculum yeah. in schools mm. and get dip more books by diversers on on the curriculum as well mm. um i don't know if my book will be be part of that i guess one as well because of the the latter content of the yeah, book is quite is quite mm. heavy and for when you're in your teens, you're quite angsty, you, you know, every day is an existential crisis and those kind of things. And you go into like email. I wouldn't want my book to contribute to anybody feeling down. Do you know what I mean? Although, although the, I feel like the ending is hopeful, but you've got yeah. to make it to the end first. True. Do you know what I mean? I would, I would, mm. I would disagree in some extent. I wouldn't, I don't think it would, um, serve as a trigger point, mm. um, for a person with, um, who suffers from mental health issues. To, to an extent yeah, I, I think it's not. quite cathartic in a way yeah um i've got i've had family members who suffer from mental health issues so reading it um i could you almost have like a a solace in a way yeah yeah um yeah. so it wasn't necessarily a trigger point it was like an understanding and i think it, in a sense it could actually provide hope for a lot of, for mm. a lot of people reading it yeah you know suffering from similar experiences so, okay look at this you know th- this guy you know who i can relate to okay but there's also a, a sign of hope. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in this dark period that I'm in, this is a temporary, you know, yeah. problem. I would temporary hope so. aspect of my life. You know? Yeah. I would, I w- yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely hope so. And, um, that's one thing that I did really want when I was writing it is to write in a way that developed empathy. Mm. So you, you can be frustrated with the, choices that K makes or the way he moves and stuff but it's mm. d- just about understanding mm. um why he's making those decisions mm. why he's behaving in mm. in certain ways and I, I yeah i hope that by the end of the book people just say you know what like there are people who are going through this stuff and we never really get a look into their lives like this because mm. they very often don't open up or we're scared to invade their privacy too mm. much do you know what i mean mm. um i'm scared to help them 
Yeah, yeah no, for real. Yeah. Like on true. that point that you just said about invading the privacy, like do you feel invaded? Like like in a sense, because obviously you wrote this book and it's like parts of it uh, speak to your life and whatnot. Do you feel like invaded by the the fact that it's just out there, like for people to just read? And obviously, it is starting the conversation, which is amazing, and it is doing that work. But it's like, would you feel it's invaded? Still, I think I would, in a sense, because it's personal. It's personal things that mm. that are obviously, um, are obviously like of a certain thing to you. And then I would imagine that putting your work out there in that sense would probably make you feel perhaps. Uh, Vulnerable, I I mean, not really, because I I think that the really, so I have a really strange view on this. So I don't really think anything is personal to me. Cool. Um, I think that I'm living in a world with how many billions of other people. Um, I think I just feel like everything that happens to me belongs to other people as well. So I'm very open. I don't believe in, you know, being secretive about things like that. I know it's it's hard to talk about things. Absolutely. I struggle sometimes too, mm. but not in a way that I just feel like, oh no, this is mine. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't feel like that at all. Um, so no, I don't, no, I don't feel, I don't know. I don't feel like um, anyone's invaded my privacy by reading the book or anything like that. You know, you go to events and sometimes, um, People they ask wayward questions mm-hmm. sometimes. <laughs> like what? Like what? Um, okay, look, no, not wayward questions, but they just believe that you. So, for example, one of the things that really it doesn't frustrate me, but it hurts me is that sometimes after events, people come up to me and they say, "Hey, uh, my friend or my daughter or my son is self harming. What do I do?" And I'm just oh. kind of like, "Yo, I, I don't know. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't have the yeah, answers yeah. for you. And I wish I did mm-hmm. have the answers. But again, that's just because of." The book, yeah. What I've written in, in, in the book. So, um, yeah, other than that, no, no, mm. not at all. Okay. It's, it's, it's interesting you said that, like how um, just because you've lived something, um, people expect you to be uh, uh, almost a mentor a mentor or an expert mm-hmm. on that situation. Because it, 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 it's kind of similar to someone when someone asked me, my, my, my university professor, and it was after, you know, the George Floyd massive, you know, movement in terms of race. Um, and he was like, oh, you, you were the only black student I've taught zoology ever. Mm-hmm. How do I fix that? And it's like, <laughs> how can, what kind of questions that, yeah, yeah. you know, okay, yes, yeah, something I've lived, mm, something wow. experienced, but I don't have all the answers. And it's, in, it's almost um, quite selfish of you asking a question like that. Yep. Um, to someone who's one who's experiencing experience, but also experiencing that. Um, so I can understand how you, you're kind of taken aback by a question like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've just touched on, on the race thing as well. For some reason, I don't know why. It's like, it almost feels like every white person thinks a black person is mm. an expert on race. Mm. And, you know, you, you, you're you born with a PhD in race theory or something uh, like that. Mm. Like, it's yeah. So these they, 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 they asked that recently yeah. as well, and he was like, oh, just "Ask a Carla, like he's more knowledgeable than yeah, I am. yeah, exactly." He got asked, I think, ITV. They were asking him to like talk about race, and he was trying to promote an album. Mm. He was like, "This is not the forum for that. I'm not, as in, I'm not here to speak about that one, and I'm not in a position where I know enough anyway. So yeah. ask people who do." I think he's he's learned his lesson because I remember they they did that to him once. I think Jeremy Paxman after yeah. Obama was elected, they had Dizzy Rascal on there oh, um, with, with, a, with a politician. <laughs> And they, you know, they, 
they were asking him these questions and he was giving these ludicrous um, answers and it was just it was a, it got to the point where Jeremy Paxson just started calling him Mr. Rascal uh, like because he was just mocking him yeah, yeah. Um, but so that in like, itself is racist it, can you, as in, in a sense that this it's almost quite um, what's the word when it's um, it's it's a parody of itself when you're trying to actually address a problem but yeah. don't realise that you're actually promoting it in, a, in itself yes you're, yes, you're, you're making it a novelty mm-hmm. it's essentially something very important I agree and I think a lot of people f- <laughs> I think I don't think they do it intentionally and it's not malicious but they as in like there's so many instances like that where they're trying to um, trying to address a problem and they don't realise that they're actually contributing it to it to some respect agree mm-hmm. yeah which mm-hmm. is quite funny uh, I just I just remember in so many instances when, like I think for instance I was on call like some um, Skype call for my job, and then um, my boss she was like oh you know I went to she she was trying to um, I was like one of the only black colleagues and she was trying to speak about race and stuff but she didn't necessarily realize that she was a- actively making a novelty it's like oh we have to rise up we have to stand by this yeah and I was yep. like. <laughs> I couldn't. I wanted to laugh so bad, but I couldn't laugh because I was so serious. And she was trying, yeah. but she didn't necessarily realize that it's this situation itself is quite comical in yeah. a way. But um, I agree. Yeah, sometimes it's just useful to put work out there and then let mm. people just like take it in, like in their own time, on their own thing. Like even this book, for example, or just you know whatever it is, just things that you can just take in at your own pace and do the learning so that. It's not so. Like, as in those situations don't always come up because it's like if if I was a white person, perhaps, and I was reading this book, I don't know. I'm not saying that I would just understand what it's like to be a black British boy, but I think I'd have an understanding a bit more from just reading. Yeah, the yeah. book rather than being told, "Oh, this is how you should be." Or this is how you shouldn't act. Yeah, I, I I I agree. I definitely agree. I think so. I I, I think. What I was seeing on social media quite recently is a lot of people just giving like book suggestions. Look, read this book. Don't yeah, ask yeah. me, read this. Mm-hmm. I think I definitely think that's helpful. I think what can happen with that sometimes is that someone will, re- will read one book and suddenly they think they're the young they're, 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 yeah, they're enlightened. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a problem. But if as long as they understand that it's always your, the learning process never stops. Mm. It always it always carries on. I think yeah, I think I think that's positive. I mm. think that's positive. I think on that question of race, I've got. I think you're quite, uh, you've got a really like beautifully written page um, that basically um, is about um, basically being poor mm-hmm. and that your white friends being you're coming over and then almost um, perceiving themselves as better than um, having this perception that they're better than you mm-hmm. or, or Kay's life in a sense, um, but them being in the, so- in the same social class being poor too Mm -hmm. and it's like i thought that was an interesting question or interesting page and interesting topic because i think that it's 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 one of the biggest lies that's been told Mm -hmm. especially to white working class um men and women in that um this perception that they are better than other working class demographics when they're Mm -hmm. essentially in the same situation Mm -hmm. and they're often i think now you're seeing um to some extent, uh, almost disenfranchisement. They're they're kind of getting forgotten. Mm -hmm. And it's very reminiscent because I was looking at the figures in that the US figures in terms of white working class males, they're 
um, life expectancy is actually going down. Mm. That's never occurred within a Western country. And it's a very recent thing. And in that their life is actually getting worse, but they have the same perception that they are better yeah. than other demographics of a black, working class, Asian. Um, and it's, it's, it's just this interesting concept that um, I think is an initial problem because you're starting to see the same thing occurring in the UK. They mm-hmm. don't, I was looking at the statistics and they don't um, necessarily look at um, ethnicity in terms of um, when they get their death certificate. But you're starting to see that um, it's a slow decline in terms of um, uh, less privileged, yeah. you know, um, um, class or class differentials and mortality rates and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a really interesting page and an interesting topic that we could, I don't know to speak about as in like mm. do you think in a sense that race would that still be a deciding factor in terms of it contributing to as in like do you think white working I don't know what I'm trying to ask but do you think just being white won't be enough as in like won't be enough and then that people realizing oh wait wait I'm not no better than anyone else the mm. issue here is class and the issue here now is that the gap between the classes is widening. And yeah. there's, there might be like a, a group a movement, a working class movement going forward. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think some people are, a lot of people have realized this before and, mm. and speak about it now. It seems unpopular to talk about now mm. as well yeah, with the, the racial issues that are going on. Mm. And I, I do think that this is something that's been <clears throat> purposely done to, to, to separate black working class and, and, and white working class, mm. you know, there was a time when they, they did start to come together. Do mm. you know what I mean? Um, but it's, 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 it's very interesting. Cause if you, yeah, if you look at the figures, you know, of course we have it rough in this, in this country and stuff like that. But when it comes to um, literacy rates and all of those mm-hmm. kind of things, white working class boys, are, I think they're at the bottom. They're at the bottom yeah. now, which is, yeah. I thought was really interesting too. Yeah, they're 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 at the bottom, mm. um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I think my my thoughts on this are not really fully formed yet. Okay, it's something that I I do think about. Something that I need to I need to think about um a lot more. But I mean, I'm always of the opinion that like we just need to eat the rich. We need to come together and really just <laughs> and and stick it on them. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, I my personal opinion is that nobody in this world should should be a multimillionaire. I don't think there shouldn't okay. be multimillionaires in the world. Okay. Um, not when there's so many other people like really suffering. It just makes no sense mm. um, to me. And obviously, because I, I mean, I'm an idealist. I'm an idealist. Like mm. I really think that we could somehow create a world where things are more balanced. People are more okay. People have things to eat. Um, people are not living on the streets. Um, <clears throat> do you know what I mean? Everybody's contributing to to society like sometimes I, I watch shows like um can't pay will take it away and i'm just mm. disgusted like Yo. it's just like <laughs> i can't watch that i've stuff. never seen really it. No, it's what's crazy it, what's it so my brother loves that kind of programs like uh, uk or american just either fat people on the screen like they can't they can't they need to get like a surgery to get smaller or mm. can't pay take away there's even a new one with the tfl like people who jump barriers or they get caught basically and then they get fined whatever and they yeah kind of interview with the camera i'm like like basically you're going to get fined, but mm. can't pay takeaways. Basically they just let you know that um, stories of people who are going to get evicted or stories of people who have been evicted or so forth. Yeah. And there's like a whole judicial system going behind it. Like the mm. landlord is like, oh, you need to leave or 
someone owes like 10k because they so it's almost like basically but it's like reality cam- it's like cam- yeah it's reality but it's a camera like in your yard like wow. they're trying to bust down your door i just from like i'm like yo like this is so mad do you know what i mean yeah it's it's, it's really I, I think the worst ones for me is kind of like when someone is seriously in debt mm. um they can't keep up the payment the repayments and stuff like that and then the bailiffs come around and literally they almost force their way and they act like they don't like for example someone will open their door and they'll be like okay i'm just going to check if this person's in before the door closes the bailiff puts his foot yeah. in the and door it's done. So, yeah, it's done. Yeah. so and that's on I mean? film that's, that's yeah, 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 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and that's apparently mad. they're allowed to do that i don't know um and then they come in they're like they're literally just like well what have you got of any value in here mm. that we can take away? And people will watch that. Yeah, and they're, so they're literally, literally <laughs> they're like, oh, if you haven't got receipts for this, I'm going to take it. Like, if you buy like a TV or something, they're like, okay, if you haven't got receipt that you mm. did, that you didn't purchase this, I'm going to take it today. Because basically it's in your house, it belongs to you. Or not your house anymore. But it's just like, like you yeah. said, it's belittling. And it's a bit crazy to, for it to be on TV. And people watch that. Like, it's a well-watched show. It's yeah. po- poverty porn. That's what it is. People what like destruction. But it's. I, but the thing is, I would say, like, I think the concept of a multimillionaire, you're always going to get a winner. So you live in society, and if you look at even the, in terms of a biological sense, you always humans are always going to group themselves in terms of hierarchy. It might be monetary, but it was physical burners back in the fields. You know I mean, but. Um, so that's always going to exist, but I think I don't know. The, the gap Isn't it exploitation. Though I think when it what? gets to certain levels of no, multi-million to, or billionaire, no, that's what I'm saying. So you billionaire, can't, you can't, so you can't multi-billionaire exist without exploitation. Do you know what I mean? But there's all, everyone's there's always it's because not a zero-sum game though. That's no, what I'm trying to say. Isn't like true, there's always going to be a form of the person doesn't feel like they've been exploited, but they are. So that everyone's winning, but no, in a but sense, in relative to the wins of the billionaire, yeah. it's like. It's 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 then, not it's the perception it's exploited. It's disproportionate though. Oh, 100 percent, one hundred percent. But it's as in like I think the issue is that the gap is so huge now. Like so, there's multimillionaires, and the gap between a multimillionaire and a billionaire is exactly the same gap, but people don't even realize that. Mm-hmm. So the focus isn't even really on these disgustingly rich. Like Jeff Bezos's wealth is is infinite he has infinite money and a lot of people don't even understand what infinite is and we touched upon what infinite really means when we were talking in, in when we were reading hitchhiker's guide to Galaxy. can't really comprehend it we can't comprehend it because oh, if i said a thousand a hundred people start to understand but biologically we haven't evolved to understand those that the, that size of a number mm-hmm. once i say million two million it mm. becomes say i can say quadrillion it's exact you perceive it the same way because we can't comprehend it and that's why you can get away with that but you can quantify it you know, in terms of time, you know, counting to a million takes, what, 12 days, 13 days, but counting to a billion takes 32 years. Do you know what I mean? So it's like all of these things where, oh my God, like it's actually a huge, huge, huge gap. And it's actually a big problem. It's only, it's only getting worse. And I think you're starting to see the effects of that going back to the book in that, you know, there is, it's this perception that anyone could attain a wealth like that when essentially no, we're never ever gonna meet a billionaire ever. But you, you'd be lying to yourself that in the back of your head you could, you <laughs> might think you could be it because yeah. it's a lie that's being that's the trick. Perpetuate. It's, yeah. a, it's a it's a huge trick. That's but that's interesting because when I read the book and the first instance when he said that um, his friends use as like ammunition in school that mm. he's poor as like you know because everyone uses banner or like everyone's got a power for somewhere like if it would be a hairline on your mum or something. Mm. But for yours to be like you're poor is kind of hurting. And I feel like. Um, when you're in school at such a young age as well, when he said, ah, oh, he realised that he was poor, I was thinking, damn, like, 
But how does, how does, what are the things that make a young person realize? Because when you're young, you're very, you're impressionable one, mm. but you don't realize a lot of things. And then, for example, when you firstly find that you're poor, it's because you've realized something relative to somebody mm. else that you know. Yeah, 100%. And um, when you're in that position, how do you feel? Because I feel like for me personally, um, when I was um, growing up in school, when I realized that my black friends had like a similar house to me, whether mm. it be like, um, the carpet on the stairs wasn't really working mm-hmm. or like whether one door handle was kind of like it wasn't yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. I'm thinking okay cool like this can be my boy do you know what yeah, I mean yeah. um, but it had, I had like white similar similar friends as well a similar situation but in my head I wasn't like oh they're similar it's just like oh they're just they're the white it's mad that you say that that's, that's, that's what when I, when I read that in the book I was thinking that's when the topic came out I was thinking this is really interesting because I genuinely felt this way Mm. But like we were all very much in the same situation, and then even one of my work friends, um, he dropped us home from one of his school. I remember him very well, like his birthday, and his mom dropped me home, and I was thinking, bro, this whip is the deadest whip, yeah. But I was thinking, yo, like I, this is like we can be friends. Like I don't know mm. why that was, for some reason that for me I was like, oh, we can be friends off of mm. this, mm. and for me it was kind of weird. Like for young people, we kind of have this um, impression that we can only be friends with the same kind of. Class social group, class, social yeah. group, group, and I think we kind of huddle those groups as well. Um, but I think race does play some sort of role, and I was thinking, why does that happen to us? Mm. It's a, it's a, it's a weird. One. I was, I was just thinking about this actually. I was just talking, like, you know, in the book, <clears throat> Kay is, yeah, obviously he's like he's getting cussed because of the way he lives mm. and, and 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 stuff like that. And it just made me think back to when I was younger, the moment that I kind of realize that we didn't have much money you know that we were, mm. we, we were poor is that yeah i would go to like my white friend's house and their house would look completely different you know mm. and i think it's i think it's it is a lot to do with the immigrant experience as well that you know my mom coming here she didn't maintain her house in the uk the way she maintained and was building a house in ghana that was her priority mm. not the house here yeah a lot of immigrant houses especially Ghanaians, they use their houses here as storage mm. so like my mum has got trunks full of kente like um to my everywhere like suitcases here what's what's happening with this oh <laughs> i'm sending it to ghana i'm sending it to ghana like and there's so many of us who have those those similar experiences but then when you went to your white friend's house it was like they were really taking care of everything there was no suitcases out mm. there you know and mm. and also with the whole the money like me writing that you know Kay was standing outside the shop watching these white friends inside yeah, spending yeah, money yeah, yeah. you know those white friends could have been in a similar situation as him, mm. but again, the immigrant experience makes made Ghanaian mothers of the time, and I spoke to my mom about this. They they clung to money. They didn't. They weren't wasteful with money. They're not going to give their son five pound to go to the shop and buy sweets yeah. when there's rice at home. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. So <laughs> that that would make any young person think, "Wow, like they're rich, man. They got money to go and buy sweets and mm, all the stuff. Mm, there, mm. the house looks nice. Do you know all this kind of stuff? You know, not knowing that." We're all going to shop at QuickSave. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I would be jealous of my 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 um, my white friends who would be eating pot noodles and stuff like mm. that mm. because I had to come home and, and eat jollof rice. Mm. I, it, it was frustrating because I think it, this is like poverty food. Mm, but yeah. obviously, now that I'm older, I realized no, no, no. The pot noodle is, is the poverty yeah. food. The rice is the good stuff. The rice yeah. is the good stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's so, funny yeah. though because like what you were just saying, like, and both you guys were just saying about the relativeness of poverty in a sense where you can actually be blissfully ignorant to your reality. Like I remember at Langley, remember Langley, I had a pink blazer. It was like yeah. salmon colored blazer because <laughs> basically everyone, everyone else at school had like a burgundy blazer, right? Mm. 
And because at the time, like we just moved into a different house and we were like, we were in a, a flat near the school to just make it into the catchment area. And things were a bit tight and whatnot. And basically what my mom did was she got like a different, a slightly different color blazer to the one that everyone else had. And I swear to God, for about two years, <laughs> I didn't even realize. I was just like, I just, I just like off colored salmon colored blazer. And it's only when someone said to me, like, bruv, yeah, where's your, where's your where's blazer, your blazer like pink? And I was like, bruv. And it was only then that I realized. I was like, shit. All this no. time, my blazer was a different color. But I just got, like, I just, it mm. wasn't even a thing in my mind. It was only when I realized in relation to, to someone saying to me, oh, this is a different color to mine or whatnot. And I realized it. But I don't know. I think there's, but is, go on, go on. No, no. I was, I was going to say, is in like, just, just on that topic too, is in, I think it's, it's, Wealth is treated differently depending on race too. Like, if 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 I think when if you were if you're black and you're poor, you're always treated differently in comparison to a white person who's poor at school. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're it's almost like oh, you're a charity case, mm-hmm. or oh my god, there's something wrong at home, and there's that extra layer of guilt too I agree. that you feel when you're like, this young black boy in school and stuff, and like me. I think when I was in PE, like, I think there was some, there was like in um, Lost Property, there were like some nice trainers. They've been there for years. I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to use them. I wasn't, I wasn't, I could afford trainers, but I was like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to use them. All, all my white friends were doing it, you know, mm-hmm. just taking stuff from Lost Property that they, they liked and stuff. And I was like, okay, fuck it, I'm going to do it. But when I did it, oh shit, it's everything at home. Everything at home. You know, it's like, oh, can you afford that? It's like, oh, this and that. And I was like, no, I just, I just like this pair and they're just in the Lost Property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you start to police yourself and like, okay, oh, I don't want to have this, you know, this, this image of, I don't want this perception of myself to be like this. And my mum mm. had drilled into me. He's like, you can't do this and that and that all saying, oh no, I think I told my, I was like, um, see the rugby tour. Mm. And I was like, oh, um, my parents couldn't afford it at that moment of time. And I, I, I told my, my P teacher and they're like, oh really? And then they tried to set up some whole, fundraising thing and oh, all this stuff man. and my mum was furious yeah, yeah she's like no we can afford we just obviously not now as in like we can afford it but we don't have the finances now and it's like and you've got this whole either. image like, yeah you do you know what I mean like something. you have to prove that you're okay you have yeah. to prove this is it's tiring and um, it's just funny based on that pink salmon blade. <laughs> <laughs> bro, if she, if she, saw, if she saw this blade, it was... And the badge was like bro, sewn on as well because it was like... It was bad. What's but funny no, is like, it was a quality blazer. Like it was a good quality blazer. It was just that. It, was it wasn't pink. the official blazer. It was, yeah, yeah. was pink. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's all part of the story, man. No, nah, but... That's, yeah, that's it's, funny. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, 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 it was, it's an interesting topic, era. It was, it was, yeah, just I think growing up, man, growing up being black... Um, it's it's a unique a unique experience. Yeah, in the UK. yeah. Something that you can only really appreciate years, like sometimes decades after. Literally after the fact, you know. When I think, when I think back to like just what you were saying, sometimes you just you're so uh, oblivious. Yeah. To being poor, I think when me and my mum were really going through it, mm. I had no idea. I was mm. having a good time. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Mm. I was I was a child. I was just used to play with whatever was in the house, just eat whatever my mum would give me. It was absolutely calm. What was what? What have you normalized now as like a dish that you love, but realize oh, it's from when my parents were quite str- were struggling. So for me, it's um, egg bean and pasta. 
So it's just like this really nice dish that mm, mm. I thought was normal until mm-hmm. I went to uni. <laughs> so I was cooking it and they were like, why are you putting beans, egg, onions, in yeah, pasta yeah. and a bit of cheese? It was like, <laughs> oh, it's nice. Oh, it's good. <laughs> this is a nice dish. But then my dad was so embarrassed. I like, know because my parents um, were quite young when they had me. Yeah. And when they were like, I think my dad was still in um, um is in law school my mum was you know at home so they had no money and this mm. is the only thing they could cook and I remember eating it loving it and I just it's just like you just don't realise that it's not normal to eat something like that or to carry something like that throughout life but it's oh shit what are you looking at oh damn I still love it I, I still eat to this day but yeah, I just yeah. what do you have something like that yeah um, so but I can eat so for example if I'm hungry I mm. can literally just go to the fridge get some margarine like not even butter. I, I, like, I don't even fuck with butter. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. So, margarine <laughs> on the bread, fold it over and eat it. Mm. And I'm I'm, I'm calm, but obviously, mm. like, when people see me doing that, they're just like, I mean, don't you want some jam at least? <laughs> yeah, 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 Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that as well. Like, and even though I don't eat it much anymore, um, just white rice with corned beef stew, like. Oh, yo, you I know, the, was, no, the corned beef Because like it made me laugh because my dad loves corned beef, innit? Mm, yeah. So when I was growing yeah. up, we used to have it sometimes. With, we have it like on um, onions and some people yeah. put, put baked beans in it. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, when you, when you smell corned <laughs> beef from upstairs, like, it's lit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I went to uni and I bought corned beef ones. I was like, oh, let me, that like, money's low in it. So let me mm. go buy some corned beef. It's like, it's mad cheap. Innit? Bad cheap. So I went to get some of that and had some rice with it. And I was eating, I was thinking, this day, I'm like, why am I eating corned beef? Is this not? Yeah, I would never touch it now. And then my it's friend was that. like, corned beef? What is that? So I researched it. I was like, I'm waiting this again. It's like, <laughs> you know, they want to know what corned beef I is. I don't, and listen, it's, you know, when they, you know, when they take stuff from a pig, yeah, it's like they take the bacon from it so they can make bacon or whatever and everything else. The leftover parts of the pig, like the bones and that, they grind it up, mm-hmm. put like mustard seeds with it, make it taste a bit nice and put it in the but tin. But as a kid though, that tastes as like As a tin, steak, yo, it tastes so good, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, even, even now, if my mum makes rice with corned beef stew, I'm still like, mm. It's like, not yeah, it's not like, it's weird. If my dad makes, I'll eat it, but I couldn't put it in my own pan to cook it. To <laughs> yeah, make. yeah, I can't yeah. Lie. I'll never purchase it from a shop. Yeah. I, I, I struggle to eat any kind of meat that comes from a tin, to be honest with you. That's, yeah. And that's what Spine was Fair thinking. Because I yeah. laughed when I saw it in the book, because I was thinking, yeah, you should be eating corned beef. Like, <laughs> but like, it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you, um, Kenna, you, I think you had a good question before in pre production um, about. Yeah. Literacy style, yeah. Because for me, I mean, like I said already, the book for me was quite interesting in terms of his literary style. And like, there's certain paragraphs which I kind of, when I read it, I was like, This is like, this is nice, like, it has a nice rhythm. The words are like really cool and stuff. Um, but when I did some research and stuff about Safe as well, like the anthology of like, um, the black man experience and obviously having different authors inside of it, when I look back at them, that reminds me, it kind of has that also that kind of anthology kind of feel to it, like every page every page is something new mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but like is that like your writing style or is that are you are you a writer who's like um conscious about your writing style and like your next book or next um, project you're going to do is it going to be in like an anthology kind of type style or poetic style or is it are you going to do something crazy off the cuff i don't know like that's my question is just yeah what's your plans really i mean yeah so in terms of my writing style i didn't really I didn't know I had a writing style until somebody told me. Okay. So I thought I was just writing, and I was just writing, and you know, um, and then yeah, my, one of my one of my friends said, like Derek, you know, you write in this like there was just, like this this odd way, like, um, and because I don't really, I, I mean, I care about the rules of grammar, but at the same time, I don't really care about the rules of grammar. If I'm writing a sentence and I feel like a comma will make this flow a lot better than um, 
a full stop. I'm going to put a comma there. Do you know what I mean? Or I'm going to put a dash there because I want it to be, I really, I do want my writing to be musical in, 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 in a sense. Um, um, but there are times when you can't do that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't, I don't think all of, so I'm only conscience conscious of not writing how I normally write. So for example, if I'm writing an article for the Guardian, I can't write it the way I've written. That reminds okay. me. Because they'll just be like, well, what can we do? So I have to be conscious and then try and write just, I don't want to say normal, but just more, just clearer, just okay. clearer. Not, not, not try and um, have too much depth to the sentences that mm, I'm okay, um, that I'm writing. But um, I mean, my next, my next project. I, I mean, I finished this. is a po- it's a poetry book. Okay. Um, and it's again about the you know the the, the immigrant experience, especially for like um, for mothers and, and aunties who came over. Because you know, one thing that I, I'm starting to notice as well is that. When it comes to the immigrant experience, we we speak and fairly so, you know, a lot about the Windrush generation, and mm. there's a lot of literature on on that. Mm. When it comes to like the um, the African immigrant experience in the UK, there's not much literature on it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think I've only read one book that that deals with it. So I just thought, okay, well, I'm going to write something then. Mm. You know, mm. so I, yeah, I wrote. Uh, Which book was that? Just have interest. Uh, it's, I think it's Butcher Machata. Okay, uh, second class citizen. I think all of yeah. those books deal with that. Yeah. I read the book at uni. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, it's really, okay. really good book. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And she talks about, yeah, what it was like coming over from Nigeria. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 my next project. And, yeah, writing style, I mean, I guess I just have to write these books and wait for someone to tell me what the writing style yeah. is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because um, Zach studied English literature. And American okay. Because like, yeah. he's saying, like, not following to, you know, punctuation and stuff. It's like, I thought it was a bit blasphemous. No, no, it's oh. good. No, it's actually, <laughs> like, because my taste in terms of reading and like what I like to ingest culturally, I like things that might go wayward from the rules of things. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like, I didn't pursue writing in the way that I thought I would in terms of my own self, but I can appreciate like deviance, I guess, or intentional going away from yeah, yeah. Uh, rules of things. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, but like one thing that i did when i asked you about was the like the industry like the actual industry of like being an author and like selling your books and 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 publishing that kind of stuff like how have you found navigating that space of okay i want to write a book because i don't know i have no idea how it works in mm. terms of taking you like the idea to having this here. Yeah. Um, but how have you found like uh, navigating the industry and yeah. and making it into, I guess what you call like a career? It's been, I think I've been, I've been very lucky, you know, I think the only, I've only had one small irritating moment and that's mm-hmm. when it was, the book was going through like edits and stuff like that. Not my actual editor, they were like sub editors as well. Mm-hmm. And they were just, um, just queries about some of the content and things that I was doing that just, just irritate. So there's like a, there's a passage um, in the book where there's only one full stop and it's at the end. It's just like a long mm. paragraph. And I remember one of the sub editors read it and highlighted the whole thing and just put a question mark at the bottom. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I'm not changing anything. It's like staying like that. So I don't know mm. what this question mark is mm. about. Do you mm. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, just, just, yeah, little, little things like that were um, um, very, very, very annoying. But other than that, yeah, I've, I've been lucky. I mean, 
like I said, when I was writing this, I wasn't writing it to get published. Yeah. You know, I, was, I worked part-time at Penguin Random House and I was in the editor of Murky Books. I was just sitting in his office, like we were just chilling. I think we were talking about, uh, talking about this Kendrick Lamar. I think there's like a podcast that dissects his, his, um, his album. podcast. Yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah. We we're talking about that and he was just like, yeah, man, it's, once you listen to that, you appreciate Kendrick a lot more. Um, so we were just talking about that and he was just kind of like, oh, what about you and your podcast? What are you doing? And I was like, you know, I've got another idea for a podcast with my little brother, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you know, <clears throat> that would sound, that would be an amazing book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, yeah, you should think about it. You should think about doing it. I was like, okay, cool. So he was like, go and meet Stormzy's manager. Cause you know, he had just launched Murky Books. He was like, go and meet Stormzy's manager. I'll set up a meeting and then talk to her about this book. So I went to meet her. Um, and she was just kind of like, well, you know, we've just published two nonfiction books. We're not really trying to publish another one. Um, and before that, I'd sent her like some of my verses from that reminds me just so she could get a feel of my writing style in case she like, she didn't like it. Didn't think I could write the book, uh, about my brother. And she was like, but what about this stuff that, what about this poetry stuff you're doing? And I was just like, well, you know, the editor of Murky Books, like I've spoken to him about it, but he's never said like, oh, we should try and publish that. And she was mm-hmm. just like, uh, let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. Mm. And she spoke to me. And she, they came back and was like, right, "We'll give you a two book deal. We'll do that. Reminds me first, and then we'll nice. do another one afterwards." And I was just kind of like, "Wow, okay, cool. Let's you know, okay. let's do that." So, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been uh, really, really lucky. Mm. I, even win, winning the Desmond Elliott Prize was just uh, madness. Like, as an artist, like where, where obviously you not got nominated, and you knew you got nominated, but where were you exactly when you found out that you won? Like. Where was that? Were you on road or your mom? Like, where were you? <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember where I was. I remember I was just, I was just really rattled. Like, mm. I was just walking up and down and I was talking to my mom about it. And mm. she was kind of like, just trying to understand. So what's this? How much money? Mm. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? like, it's always money. For yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I remember where I was when I got um, shortlisted though. Because that was cool. really exciting. I remember... Because my editor emailed me and was like, oh, you, um, WhatsApp to me and was like, you've been longlisted for this award. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm. And then I thought the shortlist was supposed to be announced that particular day. So I remember talking to my agent. I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't get shortlisted. And was, she was just like, Derek, like, don't worry, man. There'll be other things that come up, mm. blah, blah, blah. And I remember I was walking into the shop and then I just got an email on my phone and it was like, you've been shortlisted. I was like, oh shit. Nah. So I remember calling my agent. I was like, oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. She was like, don't play with me, Derek. What, what do you mean? Like, and I was like, shit, I've been shortlisted. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts, man. It was, but it was, yeah, it was a great, great feeling. And um, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really grateful, you know, for, um, oh, for all the things that have happened for me. Thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping there's, there's, more writing to come, you know. Yeah, man, yeah. definitely. Sure, there definitely. is. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting a six book epic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 interesting. Have you ever have you have you guys any, ever won something like that, like award? Um, no. I won the architecture award thing. What was? Oh it? yeah, that, yeah, because yeah. oh, of God. COVID. So was that? Mm. It was um the Venice Biennale, which is obviously an annual event for because architecture is an arts every year in Venice. So I won a competition to go um, in August. Oh, shit. Right? Congrats. In, yeah, I won in, in the beginning of the year. But um, so we had to go to like, so we had to go to Coventry to have like a training day. Mm. So basically we're going to be like a stewarding mm. um, the, the architecture event for UK because every country's there cool. from around the world. Um, and I was going to do a research project there as well. But long story short, um, COVID happened. So mm. they said to us, Basically, the bin honor might get cancelled or get uh, postponed. Mm. So what actually happened in the end is that it got postponed to next year. Um, so obviously, we can't do it this year. So I meant to be in Venice for a month to be working and just... Oh, dope. Yeah, being around architecture and stuff. But no, nah, it's just 
But I mean, I was happy for to winning it because I was, it was it was me. It was a few people in my my year to apply for it, and I got it. Obviously, I got shortlisted to somebody else. I had to do a video, which I did with Ruben, and I, I annoyed him the whole day. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah, it was but fun. Was but yeah, I won it, but you didn't go in the end. But it's all good. It's all mm, good. That was mm. fun. Oh, man. I don't think I've have I won an award. Actually, no, I was really I was super lucky. So mm. when I was in year ten, um, there was this. So I was just in my French lesson, and my um, French teacher was like, "Okay." Um, today we're not going to learn French. So I was like, yeah, fuck you, mm. we're not learning French. It's <laughs> like, so we're gonna, everyone's going to write a poem. Mm. Um, and we're going to enter this um, poetry, um, what's it called? Um, I'm a human citizen poetry award thing. So me and my friend were like, okay, let's just write together, let's write some poems. So he wrote the first paragraph, I wrote the second one. Mm-hmm. Literally did it in 20 minutes, I forgot about it. It was a bit cheesy, whatever. And then we just talking, whatever, we're not doing French. And then we, you know, months go by. So I was in form like six months after. And then I get I get um, a message saying the head teacher wants to speak to you. And I remember in Langley, like, Mr. Northcott was like Dumbledore. Like, yeah, it's a big deal. You never see this guy. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see him. Like, you only saw him in assemblies. He was like very well spoken, had like that atom of voice, like, mm. boys, Langley men, men. Langley yeah. men. <laughs> so when I hear this, I'm like, oh, I was thinking about all the things I've done. So I was like, shit. I remember saying that one thing or, oh, and, yeah, oh I did yeah. that. And it's like, okay, what have I done? So everyone's like, oh, so I walked to his office and I remember sitting down. You see that, that, um, 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 South, was it Southeastern? I know exactly China, the thing you're talking about. Um, China, like, oh yeah, China the, the, the cat thing. The yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm just sitting there and he wasn't there. I'm just looking at it. I was like, what's going on? And he sits down and he's like, Brun, um, are you good at English? I was like, um, I mean, I think I'm in set two, so <laughs> I'm good, but not like amazing. Mm. It's like, well, you just won an international literary prize. I was like, I was like, what? I was like, I, I, one, I didn't remember doing anything. It's mm. like, are you sure? It's like, yeah, you're going to Taiwan to meet the president of Taiwan, um, wow. Jimmy Chu, and to yeah. speak about your, um, to be a representative of the UK. To um, basically pioneer, be this human citizen, this massive global collaboration project. Mm. So me and my friends and my other friend Maverick came to, and then we were just, and we were going in ten days. We're like, okay. So actually, on one, we were one free iPod. We go to. I remember reading this damn poem. I didn't even write. <laughs> write um, remember um, writing mm. um, to all these people up in London, and it made some woman cry. Just. <laughs> This is beautiful, and I felt oh, so what? bad because the Welsh winner, she spent like four weeks on that project, some massive oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. me and my boy just wrote some, <laughs> some off the cuff, yeah. off the cuff poem, and then we won some award and we we're off to Taiwan. This president sick. had fancy banquets of food and stuff, and it's like it's just it was. It was I think that was one of the luckiest and jammiest moments of my life. My dad always says to this day, it's like. So jammy, like no one ever wins something like that. And you were just, just by chance, just wrote yeah, something yeah. that somehow you know, it just, it just, ha- like it just happens like that sometimes. Mm. You know what I mean? Like some authors spend like what years writing a novel, mm. it comes out, it doesn't win anything. And then, you know, like if you read uh, My Sister, My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyin Kam Braithwaite, I bought it for my sister. So yeah. it's done, I'll read it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, it, yeah. she said she wrote that in 12 weeks. Come out, she sold thousands, she yeah. won awards, she got. You know, mm. long this for the Booker Prize and all of that. And I know there's some authors at home like, it just happens. Like, it doesn't mean it's bad. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It just it it just happened like That's that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit like Clockwork Orange too. You wrote that in there. Was that Clockwork Orange? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's ain't writing in a long time at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's just words on the page, though, isn't it? It's just, I guess so. And it? how they relate to people, like, yeah. then, like you can write something, you can write a poem in ten minutes, and it could be something that something. just makes me cry and makes me feel like yeah. it just hit me. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. it's, but yeah, that's that's interesting. Like, so in terms of your um, process, do you have a like a, a particular space where you like to write, or do you have like a particular environment that you prefer to be in when you're writing, or? Uh, no, I don't have a process. I usually, so if I have an idea, I never just write it immediately. I'll let it like just sit in my mind for like a couple of days and just working itself out until I know it sounds all like, you know, wanky writery, but you just, no. you just get, you get a feeling and then you're like, okay, it's ready. It's yeah. ready to come. It's ready to, to jump on the page. Um, and I've fallen into that terrible, terrible trap of thinking that I can't write unless I have a drink. Mm-hmm. So I usually yeah. just think, okay, I yeah. need to have. Let me, I'm gonna write. Let me have a drink. Um, do you know what I mean? I've fallen into that trap. But other, other than that, it's like, um, what's your drink of choice? At the moment, it's gin. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I just Not have, a fan of gin personally. Well, I mean, low calories, isn't it? That's Giant. what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> gin gets me lit, man. I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> low calories and stuff. And I'm, I'm getting old, so I can't even drink fizzy drinks and stuff without my stomach hurting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's 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 really the process. I never sit down and. And plan on paper, but I have always I have the plan and I have the narrative. I know mm. exactly what I want to say in my head, and then I get it down, and then I let it sit on the page for like a week. Then I go back and edit, and edit, and edit, and edit. I just, you know, edit the hell out of it. Mm. Um, Are you very meticulous then? So you make sure. Yeah, yeah. I choose, I choose my words very carefully cool. as well. Um, and again, it's because I know in my mind what the word is. Mm. So sometimes I'll write, but then I'll just be looking at one particular. I'll be looking at one sentence and I'm just like, there's just something about this just doesn't work. And I'll just take out a word and, and change it. And then I'm like, okay. It's almost like a puzzle sometimes when I'm writing. Like, okay, that word works. Now the entire paragraph works just yeah. because I changed one word. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't even see it as me being like a perfectionist or meticulous or anything like that. I'm just kind of like, I'm just trying to make, the, I'm just trying to make the page sing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm just mm. trying to, yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to satisfy myself, I guess, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Mm. Now the book gives that vibe, anyway. It gives that vibe of very. I, I've got that vibe of someone that's very organized, especially with mm. the chapters, the artwork, mm. even how the pages. Because I was thinking, how did he, did he do some word, or did he do this on InDesign? Like, because every page is very um, well well crafted. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I think. Should get to the to the final segment of the podcast. Okay. Um, rating the book, as in. I'm gonna rate it. Yeah, okay. Well. You're gonna rate it. Okay, yeah, cool, I'll rate cool, cool. it as well. So, yeah. Um, well, go first or last? Yeah. Then? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. I'll okay. Go yeah, first. you go. Yeah. First. So yeah, I would I would rate my own book. I would give it like out of ten. Out of ten. As it is now, I'd mm. probably give it like a 6.5. Really? Mm. Yeah, because I know I can do something better. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I know okay. I can do something okay. better. And there's even moments where I will read back like, mm. and just be like, God, why didn't I change this? Or why mm. didn't I move that around? Or mm. And that, that's always going to happen, no matter what yeah. you it's think. It's a curse. Every, every artist is. Every, yeah, yeah so everyone, just... everyone's going to do that. I saw this amazing meme on the internet where it's like someone who's threading a flower. And there's a picture of it, the flower, all messy and stuff. And there's a picture of it that's clean and nice. And they're like, 
this is how the author sees their work. This is how the reader sees their work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> that's exactly how it is. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's not me saying I feel like I've read a bad book or anything. Okay. Yeah, it's not at all. Yeah. You, you won an award for this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That just shows the levels. I mean, if it can go higher, yeah, then boy. I want to see where the four points and a half goes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say? How would you write it? Oof. Um, okay. Out of 10. I mean... I bought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it based on all the books we've read cool. so far. Mm. And um, for me, you said it kind of give you vibes of like Toni Morrison and mm. stuff, which I kind of understand that like, Suda and stuff maybe. Some mm, yeah, but for me, it was like more Claude Rankine kind of okay. very organised. Like, hers had pictures and it's poetry, yeah, yeah. but it, was, it spoke to me because I was like a black man mm. or a black person. Rankine kind of did that. So, um, what's the book called? Citizen, American Living. Mm. 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 So that book kind of spoke to me because it had that kind of agenda to it, but also it was very well crafted. And like I said on, on that book as well, like if I wrote that book, I'd be very proud of it. And the same mm. way this book is like, kind of spoke to me. But long story short, I would say like, I'll say 8.9. I want to give it- 8.9? Yeah. Okay. I think that's the highest so far because- Is it because he's there? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you might don't rate me. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh, you were short. Yeah. I'm just being honest. Like, mm. um, yeah, like it, it was just in that, for me, I was like, hey, it's, it was clearly written. Okay, cool. the, the words, some words in there were, um, that I had to like Google. Which is fair enough. fair enough. But when I when I was like, oh, this is this, I've never heard this word before. It fits perfectly. It makes sense. Mm, mm. Um, and like how you explained about um, the memory and stuff and how it's written, it kind of clears a lot of things up for me as well. So it is something I would read again. Maybe yeah, okay. not like next week. Do you know what I mean? But I would read. Okay. Again. <laughs> but I'm going to get some mums. But I'll have a read. Of this yeah. No. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that's me. So, what about you, Zach? For me. Um, I would say as a student of literature. Scholar. Honestly, I would say 8.3. Okay. okay. Um, and I say that because much like Kende said, like I do love the form of the book. I love how you've like organized it in terms of the um the uh, visual pictures and then also just how you've like laid the words out on the pages. And also like like I was saying earlier about just the fact that I felt it was very relatable. Like I felt myself reading a lot of things that I ex- I've experienced or seen happen mm. um, in the uh, book. And that's a very biased way to, you know, to like uh, critic a book, but it's still, it's meaningful to me. No, do you know I what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, critically, all I'd say is that I felt like I had to read it twice in order to catch some of those memories that felt a bit more like lucid. Abstract, like, yeah. A bit more abstract. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was like a thing where on first reading, I got a lot of the main things um, very clearly, but then it was only when I read it a second time that I kind of was able to dive deep into some of those more like yeah. abstract, more kind of um, less obvious things that I guess have helped in you explaining to us like about the uh, memories. Cause I, I felt like at times I was like blacking out and then waking up in a different memory mm. and sometimes making the link between those two things can be a bit difficult yeah um but yeah for me 8.3 really enjoyed the book would definitely recommend it and cool yeah, thank you that's me what i say what i say <laughs> frenchman <laughs> my beret i love it beret um you know i think you guys um you help you you had good points actually you convinced me that was because normally I wouldn't, I'm, I'm a fantasy guy. I love fantasy books. Okay. okay. You know, I'm the guy who, who try, gets them to read, like, do Andrew's Dream of Electric Sheep and it's an amazing book and stuff. I, yeah. love, I, I love, I love that book. It's a cool book. Yeah. But, um, 
So would I'll be lying to say I would naturally pick up this book if it was mm -hmm. just me. But by reading it, enough, oh, it was a very good book. And what you said is extremely relatable. You know, I think <laughs> it's nostalgic to some extent, mm -hmm. um, especially with the giving the two pound to the little bat boy outside the corner shop, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. to get the sweets. And I've, I remember doing that, you know, I've done that myself. Like, oh, damn, I, I know the struggle. Let me just help this yeah, person exactly, out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so just based on that. And some of the, oh my God, some of these, some of these, um, some of um, the, some paragraphs just, I mean, beautifully written. Thank you. And it does um, show a very um, promising strength you have going forward because you're an extremely young writer too. Mm. So it's just, you're just going to um, um, uh, work on that. Yeah, I hope um, so, yeah. So what would I say? I think I'm just, I would say. You're waffling now. I'm in a, I'm <laughs> waffle in it. Um, 7.9. For Thank me. you. Okay. Seven point nine. Um because I'd be lying to say there are some weak points of the book. Mm -hmm. Um she said some bits do feel a bit disjointed. Mm -hmm. And it for me it was a bit jarring initially for my for my first read of some aspects of it. But then again, like um I thought it ended very powerfully. Yeah. I thought it ended very, very powerfully. I loved that. And I think a lot of books miss the ending. They miss the um the landing sometimes the strength mm -hmm. and the ending it's, yeah it's, some 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 even like with a clockwork it's like the ending could have been a bit better even though it was a good book mm -hmm. um and i thought this it just tied things up really 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 nicely thank so you. i would definitely say yeah 7.9 man mm. feels oh, good man sick, nice. good. Thank you. also thank you i guess for being our first guest yeah, bro like yeah. thank you like we've been doing this kind of guestless just with us three like and it's been sick, but it's been amazing to have. No, honestly. Thank you. No, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been great. Great to talk. Amazing insight yeah, as well. Um, oh, because um, normally we always talk about another Chef. book. Okay. Um, and we thought it'd be cool if you could recommend us our next book to read for the podcast. What book would you would you recommend us to read? Nothing too long now. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, something short. Okay. I know you like sci-fi fantasy. yeah. yeah. And you like literary stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I would say um, there's this book that I read. It's amazing. It's called Flowers for Algernon. Okay. Um, Flowers for Algernon. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible book, man. And it really touches on um, like ideas of intelligence. So it, it starts okay. off being... Actually, I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> but I will say, yeah, that Flowers Flower. for Algernon. Is, yeah, it's a great book. Cool. Okay. So that's, our, that's our next book, guys. First. Interesting. Pick it up. Um, but yeah... Um, that oh do you want to do because we were thinking about giving away two of your books to our yeah, listeners okay true. so um kenley was nice enough to um purchase some purchase some in waterstones um in bromley someone asked us where it was I'm I, I, don't, about that, yeah. I don't know why, <laughs> was, why? Like, weird oh, question why, like, why is that relevant they're like oh the shelf was amazing like yeah. where was this like it's oh, random bromley grades, like, we're starting to get some random fans just asking us very obscure questions but um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, we thought it'd be a good thing to like do a little giveaway. Do a little giveaway, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. as a uh, a homage to you coming. Okay, um, cool. And we're going continue to support you as always, of and uh, you know, our next ventures and stuff. But mm, the you. pens, the the books are there. I mean, when you're ready, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that after yeah, this. The this no, is done. Yeah, but yeah, so if pay attention um, to Instagram and the social media, and you should hear more about that giveaway. But yeah, that ties up. It's not a 
book club podcast so i've got list <laughs> um, and it's it's been good man it's been, yes. it's, been yeah. it's been a pleasure yeah, thank you for having me guys yeah it's been great um it's not a book club podcast it's not a book club podcast it's not a book club It's not a book club podcast. It's not a book club podcast.